Welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. This is where you belong. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. It is Saturday and it's time for another What A Week episode, going back through some of the news articles that you might have missed throughout the week. I am Luke, I'm your host. I'm going to be taking you on this ride today. Hope you guys had an awesome week and have awesome plans for the weekend ahead of you. So let's just not waste any time today and get into the news articles that you might have missed this week. So first up, this comes from NewScientist.com. 80,000 mouse brain cells were used to build a living computer. So I've been talking about this for a little bit, talking with... Uh, talking about AI and, and them building computers out of brain structure. Because one of the problems with AI and things like that is that their robotics can't process things quite as efficiently as a human brain, even though their neural networks are, are exceedingly large at this point. But they don't process quite as fast. So they've been developing ways to build things that uh, process more efficiently like a human brain does. Well, one of the ways they're doing that is they're using actual brain cells. So guess what? They've done it. They've taken 80,000 brain cells from a mouse and made a computer board out of it. And they're saying at this point it can recognize patterns of light and electricity, but eventually it can be used in robotics. So we're one step closer to those AI getting their own full bodies and uh, taking over the world. I think last week I talked about them building skin that had sensors on it, so they were able to feel so... Uh, there's there's just one step at a time. This thing's all coming together. There was an article I read yesterday about a them creating a virtual world full of eight thousand or five hundred thousand, I think it was five hundred thousand uh, objects in a virtual world, so that AI can then learn what things feel like and interact with them. So they were talking about how like when you talk to an AI model and you tell it something about your bed well it understands what a bed is but it doesn't understand the difference between an unmade bed and a bed with pillows on the side and all these different variations of what we see in the real world so they've created this virtual world that these ais can kind of crawl and interact with these objects kind of like in a video game so they can get a sense of how things feel and the physics of how things work and kind of build their own world inside of that so when they interact with us they have a better understanding of our world so Again, everything's coming together real fast, and uh, this has all happened in the last, like, I don't know, six months or something where this AI has really been exploding. But this is, uh, this is one step towards everything coming together and these things uh, creating Skynet and taking over. And speaking of brains, this one comes from MarketScale.com. Biologists figure out how to generate new neurons in the adult brain, revolutionizing neurodegenerative disease research. <laughs> So they have figured out how to use stem cells, essentially, dorm, dormant natural stem cells, and then put them into people's brains and then develop new neurons in adult brains. So we've always thought that as your brain gets older, you know, you, you're developing neurons and at some point you quit developing them. And then from there, it just degenerates and your brain starts essentially kind of falling apart after the age of like 26 or something like that. But they're now seeing that we can use stem cells to regrow new brain cells. So you can just imagine all the awesome implications that this has for one, just for people as they age and to be able to continue to to grow your brain, really. But also for things like neurodegenerative diseases and Alzheimer's and things like that, where pieces of your brain actually deteriorate. Um, due to different diseases or just just age in general, they're seeing that they might be able to actually reverse that. So this is something kind of a holy grail thing they've been looking for for a very long time, and they've just proven that they're going to be able to at least lay the groundwork in doing it, which is pretty amazing because that could 
that could help a lot of people out. So, of course, I'll have all these articles up on my website, and you can come in and kind of read through their thoughts on this. It doesn't explain too much about how it works other than they're doing it, um, but it's, it's pretty interesting that, that they're finally getting to that stage. And it's a good thing that they're figuring out how to grow new brain cells, because according to Psychology Today, are Americans really becoming less intelligent? So there's a thing called the Flynn effect, and the Flynn effect is that every generation, um, you know, you're supposed to essentially get a little bit smarter. So generally, every generation, the population gets approximately, it says, three to five points per decade of intelligence gain. Well, as of the last 40 or 50 years, it seems like we might be kind of plateauing and then going back down. And they have a lot of different theories about why this may be happening, um, such as like the ceiling effect, that at some point we just got to hit the maximum of that and then start kind of coming back down. I don't think we're even close to the maximum of our intelligence, so I don't think that that's uh, probably what's going on here. But they also have a lot of other ones that I think probably make more sense, like people's media exposure and technology that's that's taking up, that's providing people other outlets other than using their actual natural abilities. So so every time we have, you know, an advancement in technology, it makes life easier for us because that's the whole point of technology. But at the same po- at the same time, uh, it, it doesn't require us to use our brains quite so much. You know, when the calculator was invented, people didn't have to do math in their head quite so much. Now we have things like chat GPT where we don't even have to write our own content or anything. You know, we can have entire industries done for us. So every time we have an increase in technology like that, we kind of hurt ourselves by uh, putting that outside of ourselves. So I think that might have a little bit of what's going on right now. But also it talks about things like quality of education, which I'm a pretty strong believer has been going downhill for a very long time. In fact, there's a really good book that was written in the early 2000s or late 1990s called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of the American School System. And it is a thick book it's like 900 pages or something but it's it goes through exactly what's happened in our in our educational system in the last 100 years or so and it's it's pretty telling um how everything really works so i would definitely recommend checking that out but overall what they're finding in their research is that we have kind of gone downhill a little bit um and in this article it goes through you know everything they do for the testing and all their different findings with it and it is a really interesting article but it also says that we actually did go up in in some of the aspects of it. So we went down in, in a lot of different areas like reasoning um, and being able to think for ourselves, but we also went up when it came to like visuospatial skills. Um, so which, again, probably leads back to technology. When we have to, we don't have to think for ourselves so much, but we also are using our brains in a different way and being able to recognize patterns and um, react to things in, in patterns a little better. So it's a bit of a trade-off, but you know, technology that we know of, you know, and how, how the world works with computers and cell phones in our pockets and everything is such a new thing that we don't really know what these are doing to our mind. And we won't know for a generation or two at least. So it's kind of new territory that we're stepping into, especially when we're having advancements so fast that we're coming up with huge new sectors of technology like every day. So it'll be interesting to see what that does to our brains and our children's brains and our children's children's brains. And, you know, if we end up being some sort of uh, amorphous blobs that just kind of live out our worlds in virtual reality at some point. But I mean, I did talk about simulation theory the other day. Maybe that's already happening. Maybe there is an amorphous blob out there and that's what your soul is and you are that virtual reality. So who knows? Who knows where we're going with all this? Speaking of all that, this comes from thehill.com. Chat GPT sends shockwaves across college campuses. So this article just kind of goes through how different professors and, and college professionals are thinking about Chat GPT. 
because, you know, up until a month or two ago, nobody even knew what this thing was. And now people are using it to write their whole term papers in 10 seconds, you know. So there kind of goes, it goes through in this article about the benefits and the holdbacks of that. Obviously, the holdbacks are that kids don't have to do their work anymore, right? You tell them to write their college thesis and they can tell ChatGPT to do it. And it can give them this unique and well-written and structured out uh, essay that they have to write. And it takes away from plagiarism, too, because it is their own unique property. You know, they're not stealing somebody else's full article there it is actually generating their own article so right now when it comes to something like that uh you know i was just reading the other day that the supreme court decided that content created by ai when it comes to visual art and and uh writing can't be patented right now because it is the property of the ai generated software so it's nobody's art, really. It's kind of it's nobody's product at the moment. It's just kind of ambiguous and just kind of out there. So because of that, technically, it's not plagiarism. And these kids are using it to just do all their assignments for them. So on one hand, that's a horrible thing. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, it also talks about in this article how it can be a good thing in a lot of ways if they use it properly. If you're not using it just to do all their homework, they're using it as a research tool and they're using it to help. And to aid them in it, it could be a good thing. But also it, it forces the professors to come up with more personalized lessons and things instead of just, hey, go home and write this essay for me. It's forcing them to do things that are a little bit more kind of out of the box and individualized learning to each student. So there's ups and downs to you know any new technology. But this is a good article talking about that. And it kind of plays into what I was just talking about with it uh, affecting our, our neural networks and how our brains actually work because they're changing like overnight. You know, we essentially made an extension of our brain. So of course that's going to change how we use our brains. So this will be linked up on my website from thehill.com. Check it out. It's pretty interesting. And tell me what you guys think. Write me at lukeatstolenreality.com or go underneath the contact page on stolenreality.com. Tell me what you think about this AI. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, is it something that we're going to be able to use as a tool and, and just greatly improve our productivity? Or is it going to destroy people's minds because they don't have to do anything for themselves anymore? You know, the same thing could have been said about any technology when it came out, like I was talking about with the calculator. You know, all of a sudden, I remember when I was a kid and they were saying, well, you can't use a calculator because you won't have a calculator in your pocket, you know. So it's that kind of thinking that's leading to this right now. You can't use chat GPT because it's not like you're always going to have that available to you. But if the world's changing the way it is and as fast as it is, you know, it's going to become an integrated part of our world very fast. So we have to decide what we think about that and what to do with it very quickly here. And going away from our own minds, but other things that might destroy us, the Pentagon has now come out and said that UFOs and aliens might have already landed on Earth. So I told you, I think uh, last week or the week before, about how they were saying there might be a mothership out in our solar system that could send out probes. Well, now they have written a paper coming from um, Sean Kirkpatrick, Sean Kirkpatrick, who's the director of the Pentagon's All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. And A.V. Loeb, the chairman of Harvard's astronomy department, they're saying that there's a pretty good chance that probes have already been here at some point in time. And they, they claim this because of things like that Omahuahua that I can never pronounce that came through a couple years ago that I was talking about last time. And they didn't know if it was something that was artificial. That's what they were kind of basing the mothership thing on. But they were saying that um, with the age of close stars, you know, there's stars that are not too far away from us, relatively speaking, in the in the 
grand scheme of things that are billions and billions of years old. And they're saying that there's a very good chance that a civilization could have advanced much past what we are, not too distant from us, and been able to create probes and then send them out as artificial probes or as um, essentially drones and then land them here to take samples or to do whatever they're going to do. So what's what's really interesting about all this is what's going on with this soft disclosure that's happening is that it's happening, right? Because any conspiracy theorist or crazy person that you've talked to, including myself for the last 40, 50, 100 years has already said that, you know, there is aliens these things have came down and, and made contact with us and that are probably all around us all the time and all these different wild claims that only crazy people talked about and now the government's coming out about every week and releasing a little piece of it saying yeah they probably do this yeah they've probably done this yeah they're probably already here and the next one's going to be like you know yeah they're probably going to come take over and that's when we <laughs> that's when we get the big false flag attack um, but it's it's really interesting when they come out and do this because it almost makes it less credible, you know. You don't you don't trust them in the first place because if these things have been happening, then obviously they've known about them for a very very long time. So the fact that now they're coming out and releasing little pieces, we got to ask, okay, why are they doing it? Because they're building up to something? Are they doing it because it's getting to the point of no return where everybody's talking about it so much and realizing this so much that they can't hide it anymore? Or is there like some nefarious agenda going on around it? But it's really interesting when you go from a hundred years of your government saying that, oh, these absolutely don't exist. And if you talk about them, you're crazy to, yeah, yeah, they're out there, you know. So uh, it's <laughs> I like I like reading these articles. This one comes from dazeddigital.com. There's a little video with it. But yeah, the Pentagon's, Pentagon's coming out and saying we were right all along. So watch those skies. And on the same subject of space travel, this comes from interestingengineering.com. Pellet beam propulsion spacecraft could reach Voyager 1 in five years. So Voyager 1 was launched way back in 1977, um, but it uses jet propulsion, you know, it uses rock, or rocket propulsion. And so now they're coming up with a lot of different things, obviously, since then to try to figure out deep space travel. Well, at the University of California, Los Angeles, a professor has figured out something that they're calling this pellet beam propulsion. And essentially what it is, it's pretty interesting uh, how they want it to work. So one, it kind of, it's kind of hard to explain. So they'd send out two ships and one's going to rotate around the earth and the other one goes out and has like a big sail on it. Well, the one that's rotating around the earth is sending out all these little tiny pellets at like a, a thousand of them a second shooting at this thing with a sail on it. And as it shoots it at it, it also sends out like a 10 megawatt laser beam and heats them up. And then that heat creates kind of a, a heat ray at it that then hits this solar sail and then pushes this thing along, which is a really interesting idea. And they say that, you know, it'll travel at something like, uh, what is it, 300,000 miles per hour, which is 10 times faster than anything we have at this point. So it would be able to catch up with Voyager 1 in like five years that that left in the 70s and it would it would allow us to get to other star systems within a lifetime essentially if, if it works out so they're kind of test running everything right now seeing how it goes you know this is kind of i always had this idea of if we can direct energy beams of any kind which we can we can direct lasers and all sorts of different uh, waves microwaves i would imagine that we can direct magnetism pretty well so what about shooting a magnetic beam in one direction and then having something with a reverse polarity magnet on it getting pushed down that beam couldn't we kind of ride a magnetic beam 
and then you'd have no propulsion behind it. So that's that's always been kind of something. Obviously, I'm <laughs> not smart enough to figure that all the way out, but it's kind of made sense in my head for a long time. And this kind of reminds me of that because it's shooting a beam in the direction you want to go and then having something kind of ride that beam. But the unfortunate thing and the fortunate thing, I guess, about this is that they just got a grant to make this happen for $175,000. So that's a good thing in the fact that they're getting funding to be able to test this out and see if they can do it. But anytime I hear that, it kind of blows my mind. Like we might have figured out how to travel to different stars and different galaxies and they're giving them $175,000 when at the same time they'll turn around and dump $40 million at a movie, <laughs> you know, like if we had our priorities right, imagine what we could be doing and getting done. If we could, for $200,000, get to a different solar system, if we dumped $100 million, like we'll dump into a Marvel movie or something into that kind of thing, we'd probably already be traversing the whole universe, but which I think we already are with black budget stuff. I think that they're probably bouncing around and that's just not in the private sector, but we'll talk about that another time. And then this comes from sciencenews.com. The Earth's oceans may be shrinking. So 50 years ago, they discovered a little leak at the bottom of the ocean and they didn't really know what was going on. Well, essentially what's happening is that where the tectonic plates come together, it creates a big crack and water is leaking into the Earth's mantle. And then later on, you know, volcanic... Uh, activity pushes water back up and it kind of creates this underground water cycle but they have measured this for a very long time what they found out is that it's actually making the earth's ocean smaller which is funny to me because i thought that the whole fear was that the earth's uh, you know oceans are rising and that that we're losing land mass for it but what they think is that actually over millions of years we're losing like 40 feet of ocean every time which is a very small amount in the long scheme of things but it does seem like it's going down a little bit and that leads right into the next one from ScienceAlert.com, which is scientists discover intense heat waves lurking at the bottom of the ocean floor. So I guess there's, you know, they, they register all the heat in the ocean all the time. And they're always monitoring everything. But in 2013, they found this huge marine heat waves known as the blob at the bottom of the coastal floors near Alaska. And they didn't know what it was causing it. But for some reason, it seemed like the heat at the bottom of the ocean would stay around much longer than the heat at the top of the ocean. And there was all these bad things happening from it, uh, bad effects like algae blooms, and it was actually hurting the fish populations and killing things off down there because it was raising the temperature down at the bottom of the ocean. Well, they've been studying it for a long time and saying that, you know, it, it does exist and trying to get to the bottom of why it's happening. Um, and, and you can kind of read what they found. I don't think they've fully figured it out quite yet. You can you can read it on here. But again, it the reason why it's interesting to me is because we're always talking about things like climate change. Well, when we have these two things put together, like the ocean's levels deteriorating essentially over time a little bit, and then we have these huge pockets of heat at the bottom of the ocean that then get dispersed, I wonder how much that gets played into when they talk about the Earth's uh, climate changing. Because we don't even obviously understand how these things work. We've just found these giant heat blobs at the bottom of the ocean. Don't know where they come from and don't know why they last so long. So I would imagine that that obviously changes the the overall temperature of the earth in some way. It's got to play into it some way. So I wonder how much of all that gets factored into it. And, you know, when it comes to climate change, I, you know, obviously I think that we should be doing better for our environment and taking care of it. But a lot of times when I look into climate change and climate science, uh, depending on where you look and depending on who you listen to, 
they'll talk about all these different varying factors that play all these different roles that kind of get ignored when it comes to political climate change and people talking about it. So it was just really interesting to me. It's on sciencelearn.com. You can come read through this whole article. It's a little bit lengthy, but it'll it'll tell you uh, what they've found so far. Really, what it, I mean, the biggest thing it says in here that I could read to you is it says it's clear that we need to pay closer attention to the to the ocean bottom, you know, so they, they don't really know what's going on down there. So just goes to show that we really don't know what we're talking about when it comes to much anything. And this next one comes from newscientist.com. Mathematicians discover shapes that can tile a wall and never repeat. So uh, a periodic tiling is shapes that fit together. And no matter how many you put down, you'll never have a repeating pattern. This is something that mathematics and or mathematicians have been trying to figure out for a very long time, I guess. Something that's I've it's never even crossed my mind, but it is really interesting when you think about it. Well, they've figured out how to do this with just a single shape. And you can come on to this uh, news article that I'll have linked on my site and look at this shape. And it doesn't look all that, you know, it just looks like a little geometric shape. But no matter how many you place and how you push put them together... You'll never have a repeating pattern, which kind of kind of blows my mind. I don't see how that works because I feel like if you take anything ad infinitum, it, eventually you have to have repetition. Just like when people say that there's no two snowflakes that are the same, I have such a hard time believing that because there's like trillions of snowflakes that fall every day all over the world. You have to have identical repetition at some point, I would think, but apparently, according to math, you don't. And, uh, you know, if you want your wall to look completely random, well, they've finally figured it out. So you can come in and look at these simple little tile shapes. You cut them out, you stick them all over. You'll never have a repeating pattern on your wall. So pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, math is a language that's beyond what I speak a lot of the times, you know, goes, (laughs) goes far beyond where my, where my mind can reach. So sometimes it's hard for me to grasp a lot of the stuff, you know, when it comes to things like infinity but still you, the idea of infinity you have the the monkeys on a typewriter idea right if you just took 100 random monkeys and you gave them a typewriter and you gave them infinite time eventually they will write every piece of literature ever written because in infinity every possibility has to happen so when you have something that says it will never repeat ever 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 it's just i have such a hard time believing that but this is what the science says so come check it out and then this next one comes from iflscience.com. A bacteria that goes around and eats the dirt poops out gold, and it's pretty awesome. So essentially what they say happens in this thing is this little tiny bacteria who has a scientific name, Caparavidus, whatever, um, goes around and eats the soil, but it eats the copper out of the soil, and it is good at expelling anything else. So when there's a mixture of copper and gold particles in the soil, it'll poop out little chunks of gold. And of course, these are microscopic. But my idea is you get enough of these things and you just put them onto like your car or your computer circuit board or something where you know there's gold and you just give them time. They eat everything. They pump you out a chunk of gold. I bet it'll look just like in the movies, like a perfect giant brick. So that's that's what I'm going to do with these things. But, uh, you know, realistically, what's happening is they're just pooping out little, little tiny microscopic flakes of gold. Um, But maybe they'll learn how to kind of harness these and then use them to uh, use them in refineries or something, you know. So we there's there's whole industries built around taking people's old laptops and cell phones and melting them down and getting the gold out of them. 
Uh, everything, you know, all the electronics you have in your house right now has a tiny bit of gold in it, and you get enough of that together, and you can uh, make a pretty good living off of it if you know how to extract it. So I wonder if this will get put into play with those eventually. But kind of cool that, you know, there's all sorts of life out there, and some of it literally poops gold. It's like the goose who laid the golden egg, except for a bacteria. Maybe that's where the fairy tale came from. And then from CNN.com, so the movie Cocaine Bear just came out about a bear that eats a bunch of cocaine, goes crazy, and kills a bunch of people, which is actually a true story, kind of. Uh, it's much sadder than that, really. Some drug smugglers lost some cocaine, and the bear ate it, and then he overdosed and died. It's not quite as exciting. But an exotic cat rescued from a tree in Ohio tests positive for cocaine. So there was a serval that they're usually from south africa but it was in, in cincinnati where it's illegal to own these things in the first place but somebody obviously had one as an exotic pet and his name was amory and it was up in a tree and it was highly agitated and highly upset which i would imagine if you were stranded up in a tree on a bunch of coke you would feel that way too if people were poking at you and trying to get you down but eventually they got it to come down and actually fell and unfortunately fractured his legs um, but they took it in, did some drug testing on it, which I guess is a pretty new thing in animal control that they'll drug test when they get, uh, when they take things in. And the reason why they're even doing that is like last year, they got a monkey over here in Ohio named Neo and he tested positive for methamphetamines. So they're getting all these animals in that are all drugged up to the point where now they have to test them for drugs. And they found that this poor cat has, has a bunch of Coke in its system. Apparently the owner of it has claimed responsibility for having the cat and is, you know, being good about it and and paying for his his uh, doctor visit and everything. It's not saying that it was his coke. And the officials are coming out and saying, well, we don't really know where he got the coke from. He could have got it at home. He could have got it out on the streets. You know, he could have been uh, could have been out hanging with other wild cats and doing stuff. So they're kind of investigating that at the moment. But kind of fun story, kind of sad story. Don't give your pets drugs. Do all the drugs you want, but keep them out of your cat's nose. I think cats are crazy enough anyway. Do you imagine having like a, a wild cat in your house that's on cocaine? Like something out of a, a hangover movie. And then last up, this comes from communityarea.xyz, which is an interesting uh, suffix to a website. But a bunch of dicks washed up on shore in California. So <laughs> there's a, a worm that's called a penia fish, but it, it's called a fish, but it is actually a type of worm. And they look like penises, and that's why they're actually called pennyfish, fish, according to this article. And, uh, you know, you can come on here and look at pictures of these things, because that's the only way to describe it. That's what they look like. But apparently thousands of them kind of got put off by a storm and then washed up on this beach in California. And uh, you, there's pictures of just, it looks like a, a big beach of dicks, and a bunch of fish were coming down eating them, so created quite an exciting scene so there's a video on here you can you can watch and it's it's pretty funny but thought that was a good way to end the day with this one uh i know this is kind of a, a quicker episode today rush through a few things but just kind of wanted to give you a rundown on a few fun things you missed throughout the week like cocaine cats and dicks on beaches so i hope you guys had an awesome week and i will be back on monday for mindset mondays and wednesday right back to doing an infosode uh, breaking into a topic pretty deep so hope you guys had an awesome week and have a great weekend and be safe out there